Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, today I wanted to bring you a story about a demo that I made uh, with a band and hopefully give you some some tips and some lessons learned and hopefully even help you to think about your own situation today uh, if you even want to make a demo or if you have decided that you do want to make a demo then what are some of the things you should consider and think about so it was back in 2010 in Canberra I it had been uh, quite a few years well a few years at least maybe three since I'd worked in a covers band and was kind of missing the you know the the learning of songs working on them and playing them in front of live audiences yeah I was kind of missing that scene a bit and at, uh, during this time um, I'd been married and we had also just had our first child our little daughter Lainey so even though I wanted to get back into playing it uh it wasn't like I had time on tap you know I um I wanted to have some fun get back into it but my time was not cheap either so I didn't want to mess around just wanted to find um a great group to sort of get back into things and see what we can do if I I, I really wanted to make some money gigging as well because that's um sometimes that's half the fun especially on the nights that you're not so keen <laughs> just not in the mood at least you can get paid at the end but um a friend uh heard of this group they were looking for a guitarist to jam with uh, they'd already formed a band they called it laughing sam's dice lsd they uh, were looking for a second guitarist to really get things cooking so I agreed to go along to some jams with them, check it out, see what they're doing. Uh, they, they're into some pretty cool music, uh, which I found interesting. They were playing stuff from Foo Fighters, Stone Temple Pilots, Rage Against the Machine, the Danny Warhols, the Killers, Kings of Leon, stuff like this. So I thought that could be pretty cool because it's not, <clears throat> it's not like top 40 stuff. Um, I had done that and I got very bored of it to be honest. Um, but the style of music to me was a little more down my alley and still well known enough that people would uh, know the songs and enjoy them. So I thought, yeah, this could be an interesting band. So I went along to the jams that they had. Uh, they held them in a place called Rob's Shed and uh, or was it Rob's Garage? Rob's Garage, I think it was. Because it was literally this garage. It it used to be quite a big garage, I guess. But he'd renovated it a long time ago. Yeah, it was this kind of classic uh, sun studio style place where uh, you walk in and uh, it's, it's, it's pretty beat up. It's pretty worn out. You've got the stale smell of cigarette smoke in there. Got some couches around, which are also pretty beat up and worn out. <laughs> and, um, you know, some posters of good old bands and musicians, some of which had actually been in there over the years and used it as a, as a practice studio while they were on tour and things like that. So, yeah, it had a little nostalgia to it. It was um, definitely not new and shiny, but <laughs> definitely had that grungy rock vibe about it. So that was pretty cool. And then the next room, we um, that's where you it was this kind of little studio um, practice studio setup, and uh, 
they would set up every week, take their drums and their amps and stuff in. So yeah, I turned up with my gear and uh, got to know the guys a little bit. They, they were pretty cool, you know, relaxed, chill guys. And we got down to it and I set up my stuff and uh, we played through a few songs that I'd, I'd uh, learned before the jam. And it went pretty well, you know. Um, they were pretty good players themselves, good singer and, and solid drummer. And they're, they're the two things that I personally am looking for in a band before I commit my time to it because uh, if, if, you're, if your drummer's not solid, it doesn't have to be flashy or showy. And this guy, he wasn't the drum ninja, but uh, he had a good feel, could play in time. Sometimes that's all you need, but he, he could play all the fills that were in the songs. He could, you know, he, he knew where his level was at and he could play to it. And our singer was pretty cool. He was, um you know, he, he's really rock and roll and, you know, had a really nice grungy voice to him and, you know, just a just a great down-to-earth guy. So the other guitarist and the, and the bass player, I got to know them really well. Um, they were they were legend guys as well. So, yeah, it, it does matter if you like the band. That's um, that's one point I'm making here. Uh, you have to you have to like the people you're working with, and and these guys were great. So it was, <clears throat> I stayed with them for a couple of months, just jamming out the songs I had, putting our own twists on some things, and uh, before long we realized that, hey, uh, maybe we should start looking for gigs now. We, we've got some good music together. We, we like what we're doing. And I suggested that we, we get a demo. Uh, back then, CDs were still uh, normal and mainstream. Uh, it's, uh, okay, it's um, not so long ago, but uh, we, we just wanted something that we could go to a venue and uh, talk about our band and give them something in the hand. You know, this is our, you know, this is our demo. You can have a listen. That That's that's basically the end goal. Pretty simple. The, the point here is that now that you know what you want to do, now you have to figure out how to do it. And so I got to thinking, what what are the requirements here? What what do we need to do? Do we need to just put, um, you know, like a, like a Zoom or something like that in the middle of the room as we jam? And is that a good enough demo? you know it's going to sound like crap right so do we need to go into a a studio and if so how much time do we need and um all this kind of thing and as soon as you're starting to talk studio you know that that costs money and then once we've done that do we need to master it uh should we do some album artwork that kind of thing you know do we need even some kind of motif for our, our band and uh after, after a lot of thought and discussion, in the end, it came down to this. Uh, we did not need a mastered album, okay? It, it did not need to compete with radio tracks. It didn't have to be super slick production. Um, so we definitely didn't need a producer or anything like that. I mean, get real. This is a demo to give to the, the person handling the music at a venue. So we just need a good representation of what we can do. And I figured what we need first up is studio time, but with priorities. And the priorities were that we would, um, we, we need the studio definitely for drums because it is so difficult to get a nice sounding drum kit. Just working with 
perhaps whatever mics you have laying around. Um, and at the time, I had a two-channel uh, USB interface, which does not work for a drum kit. <laughs> you need more than two mics to get a proper sounding drum mix. So studio time for drums. And then also, while we're at it, priority B should be guitars because uh, we we had some nice amps, some big, loud amps. And at the time, I wasn't the hugest fan of virtual amp modeling software, although I was getting into it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm still a big believer of recording real guitar amps with real microphones um, when possible. So that would be priority B. And then priority uh, C would be bass because bass is a little easier to track. Um, you don't you don't particularly need um, the cabinet or the live feel or a room or microphones on it, that kind of thing. You can generally get a nice bass track through um, like a, a nice instrument direct into a, a desk and then you can work with uh, perhaps some plugins later to get um, the kind of grit or the kind of tone you're looking for afterwards. Uh, very last on the priorities, in fact, not a priority at all, were vocals because vocals are very important, actually. And to get vocals right, you do need some time. Uh, even if your singer is really good, well, which, which ours uh, was, uh, we... You just can't expect to give it a take or two and for, you know, to, to have a really usable take each time for vocals. Perhaps some of the pros can do that uh, and our singer, as good as he was, none of us were this high level pro musician. So that's what we figured. If we could get one day in a studio with these priorities, drums, the highest priority, guitars, second priority, um, bass, third priority. If we could get those things happening in one day we would be stoked on that and we plan to do uh vocals separately completely separately and also some of the guitar solos because solos are another thing where you can be a good player uh but to to really nail it studio quality first or second go that can be very difficult to do and it can easily eat up a lot of your time. So so that's what we decided. We would use the studio for that. And then once we had the tracks from the studio, I would uh, do the rest with my laptop. So then we, we looked around for a studio that might suit our purposes. Didn't have to be uh, so big, but did have to be professional and did have to be big enough to record drums, obviously. So we ended up finding this one and it cost us about $800 for the day from memory. And we were a band of five and $800 divided by five is $160 each. So we thought that was quite nice. It um, it was affordable for each one of us to throw in 160 not too big an investment. And we could get some nice results. Um so needless to say, we got about practicing and preparing the tracks that we wanted to record. We ended up deciding on eight of them and we we wanted to record at least six of them, depending on how we went during the day, how productive we were to get three or four really good ones out of the, out of the uh, sessions. So 
that was that was the idea. So after a few weeks of intense preparation and making sure we had our stuff together, we headed on into the studio and it was pretty cool. It was um it was a nice vibe there also. The guy that ran it was also the the tech for us. So he set up all the microphones and uh, ran the desk and he also had a, a friend there to help him. Uh, and and although he was a nice guy, he got a little bit annoying. And there's a little lesson here that uh, you do need to be careful about the people that end up being a part of your project, whether you ask them or not. So he, he was helpful in setting up microphones and running cables and making sure things are working and, um, you know, just, just working with the tech. But uh, for, I, I think he had bought this uh, Variax, if, if anyone knows um, Variax, they're a, they're a guitar made by Line 6. And, and bear in mind that this was, um, this was 20, 2010, so the technology was not so... Um, uh, not so mature, but the Variax is this special guitar. It's a completely simulated guitar thing. You've got to plug it into this, uh, this Line 6 module. So, so you play this guitar and everything is emulated. And this guy thought it was just the best. And uh, he also, he suggested maybe five or six times during the day, hey, maybe you guys, instead of using your amps, want to use a Variax instead. And we're like, no, thank you, but we have nice amps. We have nice guitars. We're going to mic them up and record them. And, you know, he, he would he would be okay with that. But then after a little while, he'd be like, hey, what, what, what if we did uh, MIDI drums, you know, so, so that you can edit things later and change all the sounds and, you know, we've got a really cool plug-in. Um, and again, I just had to say thanks, but, but no, we really came in to record acoustic drums. Um, you know, our drummer's got a really nice kit. We want to use it with his cymbals and stuff like this. And he's like, yeah, okay, but per- perhaps, uh, perhaps you should think about doing the guitar thing. Cause then we don't have to mic them up and then you can get these really great sounds. And, <laughs> um, sometimes you really have to know what you want because I'm convinced if I said to this guy, you know what, let's, let's try it. Um, we would have wasted so much time and perhaps it would have sounded okay. But the, the point is, um, we knew what we wanted and we had good gear and, Sometimes you just got to be, you just got to be straight with people and say, no, actually, we're not doing it that way. And I'm the paying customer. We're doing it my way. And uh, it, it can be difficult to know when to say that and when to take the advice of your tech and to say, okay, you know what? You, you're the man here. But in this case, uh, I knew what I was doing. So <clears throat> there was no virtual guitar, um, at least at this point. We uh, set up the the drums and um, got them sounding as good as we could. And and the nice thing is, you know, this uh, this guy knew his microphones quite well, knew his room quite well. So uh, I think it only took like a, an hour to get the drums ready to record, and not much longer than that um, to get the guitars mic'd up in um, in isolation rooms. We had some nice mics on them. I, I can't remember what they are. Sorry, but. We had a, um, a ribbon mic and a condenser mic. So two mics we could um, mix between later. So there was two channels for each guitar. Yeah, and then the bass player, um, 
from memory, he plugs straight into the desk and we could just all hear each other on our headphones. So then um, the trick was to stay focused during the day. So all of us were in there uh, and, you know, it was it was a pretty good vibe. It was, it was I think it was everyone's first time in a studio. Um, I, I personally had been in studios before. Uh, but you know, it's, 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 it's always a fun, exciting vibe. And one thing, if, if you're not careful is you can really waste a lot of time chatting or mucking around or just trying different stuff, you know, while you're setting up your amps or your drums. But what we did particularly well was to stay focused. And once we had our stuff set up and, uh, did have a little fun, we just got down to business. And, um, so yeah, we, we knew which song we would do first and second, we, we had our lineup. We also had prepared exactly which parts we would do. So there were some parts that I would need to do a second guitar track. Um, and we, we made sure we knew beforehand which parts these were. So then what we did once we're all set up and ready to go, we just executed we did uh, song after song after song and getting back to the priorities, if, if our drummer, um, we, we played with click, by the way, click is uh, quite important when you're playing in the studio. And if, if, we, if we didn't have a good feeling about the drums or he, he would maybe miss a stroke in a, in a roll or something like that, if the drums weren't quite spot on, then, then we would just stop the song. And we would start it again. We didn't do too much dropping in or, you know, um, copy and pasting any parts or anything like that. Uh, it, it was much faster and much more natural sounding to just hit the take, you know, to get, to get first of all, a good take with the drums. And there were a couple of points where the drums did great and uh, one of us guitarists kind of messed it up a little. So we would drop in on that track and and just fix up a little bit that maybe we we messed up on guitars um a bass player is a great player and uh i i don't think we spent any time for him he just he just seemed to nail things straight up which is always very nice (laughs) working with that kind of player so yeah we just kept focused uh went in with a plan and knew what we wanted to achieve and knew that you know always um always had the time in mind but didn't let it stress us so that we could do good takes could um could play some nice music and always keep in mind when you're in the studio everything you do gets recorded in high quality and what that means is uh when when you're playing live for example you can get away with a lot more stuff like if if you're not quite on time with a change or you didn't quite grab a chord correctly and and um you got a bit of a bad note ringing out for a few seconds or um yeah if you're the drummer if if you're just off a little bit perhaps you hit the snare a little bit too late because you lost um you lost concentration or the fill didn't come out so well yeah you have to do it again and the other thing is that uh, most of us we we just naturally overplay and this is this is generally fine live to some degree. You can play a bit more than what you would on the on the recording. But when when you're in the studio, and even if it is just a demo, you you don't want to overplay. And this was a real strength of our drummers, I must say. He uh, he didn't have 
any intention on playing too much or he, he never wanted to um, prove himself as a player. So he was never putting in um, big, stupid fills or, you know, playing mad, you know, 64 note rolls when, when he only needed to do something simple. You know, he was, it was a good middle of the road player. So I think that was another strength is that none of us were, were interested in overplaying. And, and that really got us through our tracks nice and quick. So after about a, a 10 hour day from memory, it was, it was a good long day. Uh, we walked away with um, eight great sounding tracks and a hard drive uh, full of the wave files. So the, um, the, the tech guy knew from, from the start that he didn't have to mix anything. All he had to do was make sure that each instrument was recorded nicely through his desk, which was pretty good. And he just recorded that into, I think he was using Pro Tools. And the nice thing is when you want to walk away with just the, the wave files, the, the, raw, the raw tracks that you recorded, um, which normally called them the stems, when, when you just want the stems, it doesn't matter which, um, which program was used to record it. You, you just get the raw files. <clears throat> So at the end of the day, um, he gave me the files, we put them on a, a hard drive and we took them home and that was our studio time. And, and that was, that was in hindsight, really well done. I think from all the guys involved, um, just staying focused, just, uh, staying relaxed and, uh, just keeping to the plan. Now, the second part was the more DIY part, and this is where we would do the vocals and do a really good job because that was very important. And also the guitar solos. Uh, as I said before, this can be the really time intensive stuff. And yeah, you, d you don't want sloppy sounding vocals when you're trying to impress. And also to some degree, guitar solos. That if, if, if you're showing like lame guitar solos, that's not so impressive either. So... I got the stems from the studio, uh, loaded them up on Cubase. I was running Cubase on my MacBook Pro. And I booked out the church auditorium, the church I went to at that time. Um, had some some really nice live gear. Had some good uh, Beta 58 vocal mics and a digital desk, even though uh, it was used as a live setup through a PA. We could just use the desk and uh, feed it into my audio interface onto my laptop. So that was uh, an, a good way of being able to um, give our singer some foldback. I could even give him some, you know, a little bit of reverb and compression, but uh, still be able to record the dry signal, like what he's really actually singing into the laptop as um you know as a as something that i could mix down later so that's what we did um we we had a few hours that we could book out and we had the audi auditorium to ourselves and i think that's really important as well when when you hire a studio um you you generally have it to yourself or whatever band members you let in so when you're trying to record something else some somewhere else in this case, uh, it was the church auditorium. It was still important to make sure that there'll be no interruptions and that kind of thing. Because the as a singer, you, you want to feel relaxed that 
no randoms are gonna be able to just come in and watch you because that's that can be quite uncomfortable and also if you're in the middle of a take and a door opens up and you know you get distracted that's no good either so um you know real life is still at play here uh we had a few hours and uh um he did a, a really good job actually uh, but uh, he was still pushed for time. Uh, he had to finish at a particular time to go and pick up his daughter and, and stuff like that. So again, still had to be very focused in what we did. And uh, I had the bass player come in at another time to do some backing vocals once we had the lead vocals done. So that that worked quite well in the end. Um, we were able to, you know, with just two people there, stop and start and try again and um, he was able to relax and get into a good rhythm and, <clears throat> uh, yeah, we did some good work there. Uh, but it, you know, again, it, it wasn't perfect and, uh, our time was limited. So, you know, one, one thing that I'm not ashamed of <laughs> to be, to be honest is, um, I used Melodyne on his vocals, which is, you know, most people know, um, um, auto-tune. Uh, it's a plugin. Uh, Melodyne is is very similar, and I found it really good actually because you could you could really like there was there was one one word that he just happened to say a little strange. He he sang it a little just a little strange, just a, a random um, inflection on the word, and you really noticed it. And if if you were doing a, a full proper album, you would you would re-record that, but we didn't have the time. So I was able to actually fix the way uh, the word came out in Melodyne. So it's not just a pitch corrector. You could you could really edit how how he would say things, how you know. Um, and I, I'm not ashamed of that because he's a really great singer. And there was a few pitch corrections I had to do, but not so many. But in the end, um, when you saw him live, uh, he was a great singer. So uh, it's, again, when, you, when you're listening to a recording, it can be very easy to, to be too critical or other way around. You, you have to be very, very good, very good before it comes across as good. So there was no problems with that uh, to, to just fix a little vocal stuff. Uh, I think it was really worth it and it was fair, you know, it was, it was a better representation of his skill anyway. Uh, and then, you know, backing vocals uh, were, were pretty good as they were, actually. I don't, I don't know if I had to work on them at all. Again, the bass player, solid. You know, it was great. And then came uh, the, the guitar solos. The guitar solos I was able to do on on my um, you know my dining room table on during the mornings. I get up and, and play some solos and figure out exactly what I wanted to play. Have a listen back, realize that you know maybe I didn't play it so well, and uh, just do it again. Now at this point, uh, to do the guitar solos, I was using um, guitar amp emulation. I was use, using guitar. Uh, uh, guitar rig that's right from native instruments and that one i found pretty cool so uh instead of having to mic up an amp and and have you know volume um i, I was living in an apartment at the time that was just not really an option so 
Uh, for solos, I found it perfect because I could record late at night, early in the morning, and it wouldn't bother anyone. In fact, um, yeah, my my baby daughter could still sleep, and I could be riffing out solos and trying stuff, and and it didn't bother a soul. So that was another that was another good secret, I think. Uh, not trying to nail solos in the studio because then you know, you, you can waste a potential, a, a lot of time. And with four guys standing around just waiting for you to do your thing, it's, it's not a, it's not an effective use of studio money. So yeah, that was the basic method of how we did that demo. Um, and uh, in the end, um, once, once I got all the parts down and edited the vocals a little and uh, mixed the, the guitars and, and drums and everything, it ended up sounding pretty good. Um, it, it did take quite a few hours, I must say, to, to mix everything, and this, this is normal. So it was not a quick and dirty kind of demo. But I, I knew from the start that I did not want this to be a, a process that spanned out, you know, six months or, or more even, which these type of projects can tend to do. I, I wanted to do it within a matter of weeks. And so um, once we had the vocals and the guitar solos down and everything else, then I was I was really hitting the, the mixing and you know, the, the compression and delay and reverb and try, trying to keep things basic. There was, there was no special effects in there. It was just to get a good, clean sound that, that did sound okay on, on a stereo. And uh, just always keeping that goal in mind so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't bury time just trying to do something interesting or cool when really I, I just needed a demo that sounded nice. So the outcome of it, um, we, we were pretty happy with the outcome and um, we, we started, uh, we, we all got a few copies of the CD and as I said before, we didn't bother with, um, or maybe I didn't say it, uh, but we, we didn't bother with artwork or anything special as far as presentation goes because that's more important when you're perhaps a, an originals band and you're really trying to put a nice product out there and, and, um, you know, give, give some sort of impression of who you are as a band, uh, for the, in, in this case being a covers band and we just wanted gigs and none of us were particularly creative with graphics. So it wouldn't have been an easy thing for us to do. We decided just, let's just get the, the plain basic CD cases, burn some CDs, put them in there and then this this is our product, which we would hopefully get gigs with. In the end, um, it's kind of funny because we we only ended up doing two gigs before the guys decided. Well, we're we're not so keen on working so often and doing so many gigs and putting a whole heap of uh, time and effort into this kind of thing. Um, and they all had really good jobs, or we all did at that point. And uh, yeah, the money was not the biggest thing for them. Uh, the fun was. And so I, I can completely respect that. So after all this, I have to admit, we came up with a great demo and it could have got us a lot of interest. But in the end, after a couple of gigs, you know, late nights, a lot of carrying gear and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, 
the guys just said, hey, actually, we would rather not do the gigging thing so much. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's cool. That's fine. Uh, it's kind of funny. In actual fact, I moved on uh, from them to play with a local country artist who was uh, quite, you know, quite successful. And uh, the drummer there was a friend of mine, so he got me in on that stuff. But a couple of takeaways um, there, of course, is, um, as I said, uh, know the end product and think backwards, figure out what what is worthwhile doing and what is not worthwhile doing. And then, especially when it comes to studio time, practice, practice, be prepared, um, play solid, don't overplay, play to a click, all these kind of things and stick to the plan and know what you're about and get the job done and then um, know where your strengths are. Perhaps you can do a lot of things DIY and um, yeah, I was able to uh, mix it down and, and do a lot of things, but some things I would have done differently. So uh, for one, uh, I, I would not have recorded as many tracks. I probably would have gone in with five tracks max and, you know, go for three or four out of those five, if if not all five. But you don't need so many tracks to make a demo from. Um, like I said, our goal was to get three or four good ones and we definitely did that. So if we, if we re- went in recording five tracks, perhaps that just would have taken a bit of pressure off and perhaps we would have done an even better job it would have certainly saved me a lot of time uh mixing everything and recording solos and recording vocals separately so you need to think that every song has parts uh from from different people and perhaps you're doing uh like like we were doing these parts in different places and then Every song has, um, you, you, you got to mix it as well. And so that means all different, you know, manners of plugins and, um, and, uh, compression and, and all these things. So just know that for every song, uh, it, you're adding hours to your work and, um, you know, maybe that's fun. Maybe it's not. One of the biggest mistakes I did do. Uh, was a mix on some cheap headphones. They were just some, you know, cheap Sonys that I picked up at some point for like $50. And they were not studio or reference headphones at all. They they were just consumer, listen to music headphones. And uh, the, the mix I was getting in my head was pretty good. And then, uh, you know, I'd done all this work and then I listened to it on different stereos. And I'm like, oh, that sounded so much better on my headphones <laughs> and uh, a lot of people don't mix seriously on headphones anyway even with good monitor headphones uh, because um, as the saying goes you know headphones lie but I, I think you can do some good mixes on on headphones that are designed to be studio monitor headphones but these really weren't. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a shame because uh, what what you hear, if, if you go and have a listen to them, I'll, I'll put the links down um, in the show notes for SoundCloud. You can go have a listen to them. And honestly, they sounded so much cooler on my headphones, but the work was done. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let's just get this stuff out there because you can, you can hear it. It does sound quality. And uh, it, it was 
it was going to get us plenty of gigs, I think. So, um, yeah. So I hope that has been helpful or at least entertaining. <laughs> uh, it was certainly a good time. And, um, and having, having done a lot of mixes, uh, by myself on a laptop um you can really appreciate the gear and the time uh that professionals have you know in their studios so uh i know some people have this kind of attitude like well who needs a real studio or real tech these days if you don't know it just google it and you can uh you know anyone can run a um a door now on their on their computer uh, a recording program and you can do it all yourself. You know, what's the point of paying someone else? Well, uh, until you've actually done some, some mixing for yourself and the kind of, the kind of job that does get heard by other people and serves a purpose, you, you realize very quickly, Hey, um, these guys that know what they're doing and have some great gear and have their workflows sorted out and know what to listen for um, they can get some really excellent results. So unless you're keen to learn a lot um, and and you want to get a good sound, um, yeah, you have to decide, do I want to save some time and spend some money and get a professional to, to do it? Or do I want to spend some money, get some good gear and spend a lot of time and do it myself? Or, you know, do I just want lower quality and just have a go and um, just sort of smash it, smash it out myself? So be very aware that um, someone who does this for a living um, and, and they do a good job, they're, they're generally uh, very worth their money. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully that helps someone out there. Otherwise, um, have a great day. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. Stay cool. Ciao.